podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are doing a special preview of the Champions League final on the 1st of June. Kindly joining me this evening, we have Guillaume Balagay joining us uh, after a little conversation we had at the, the Liverpool-Barcelona game, wasn't it, Guillaume? So thanks very much for uh, joining us. No problem, Peter. Great stuff. So oh, what we're going to do, starting off, um, Guillaume, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the two teams and the, the run-up into the into the Champions League final, starting off um, with Liverpool. Obviously, the, the, the group stages didn't go as as free-flowing as we like. We, we lost against Red Star Belgrade, um, Napoli as well, away. Went down to the final game when we had to beat uh, Napoli, wasn't it, with um, to to progress to the to the round of 16. So, um, just give us your thoughts on the... On the group stages that and Liverpool's performances um, in that, please. Liverpool is a team that uh, uh, has got all the qualities you need for a, for a cup competition to go far in a cup competition. Uh, certainly, at some point, it, it, the team didn't look very assured, and I think we were talking about the team was transitioning that that they Liverpool could play better, but it looked like they were trying to do new things, and I think we've seen now uh, the consequence of that new approach. So there's no so much counter-pressing. It's not so much uh, about uh, high-energy, constant intensity because they, they realised, obviously, that uh, that creates a expenditure of energy at the end of the season, which you can, uh, you can be affected by. But also, I think in the back of the mind of the coaches was the idea of, of how can we control the, the games better. So it's not just a match... Is choose when to press and where to press. Uh, that was a big, big change. And I think uh, in the first months of the season, what we were seeing was, uh, was a Liverpool that wasn't sure yet of how those that had to work. But little by little, we've been seeing that uh, the maturity that has to do with the with, with that journey. And, and a lot of people want every game to be dominating and to be won clearly. And it doesn't work like that, especially when you're changing. So... For a team that you have to say uh, were in the Champions League final last season, in the Champions League places in the Premier League, you think, all right, uh, more of the same. And instead, what Klopp has said is, no, actually, we're just going to divert a little bit to get better. And he's proven to be right. Yes, yeah, but on what you're saying there, game, there was a little bit of a, a change in the style of play, wasn't it, from the, from the full throttle pace, if you like, when Liverpool was 
up and down the pitch. To like, for example, when we went to um, was it one of the Champions League games last season when we went three 0 up and then we ended up with a with a three three draw and the players were looking tired at the end. And you're right, what you're saying, the club sort of reeled them in a little bit, and they're now pressing teams at a certain time in the game and they're not using up all that energy too quickly and they, they seem to be a lot stronger at the end of games. But looking at, at Tottenham's um, side as well, they, they also struggled slightly in the in the group stages, didn't they, with, with a tough group with Inter Milan, Barcelona and, um, and PSV. So compared to Liverpool's style of play, how do you see... Um, as you see Tottenham and, and how have they progressed from from that group stage? The story of Spurs is a completely different story, of course. It's a story of a team that uh, couldn't bring new blood into the team. Uh, so they basically had to uh, create enough layers into the side that when uh, one player is not, is not there, when a player is missing, they can adapt to a new player coming in with different characteristics. So it requires a lot of work in, in, the, in, in training. It requires players to be very, very versatile because it's not the same when you play with Son that when you play with Lucas Moura that when you play with Harry Kane. Uh, if you had a midfield uh, space that, was, that had the quality of, I don't know, uh, Bernardo Silva and David Silva and De Bruyne, you think, no, you'll be fine because they can still, uh, through the midfield, dominate. But no, Spurs depends so much on what they've got available. And they've been hit with injuries. Uh, they, they have been playing away from home. Uh, they, there's such a big difference to play. Even even though they've been a long time at, at Wembley, still didn't feel home to them. Uh, there were games, mostly in the Premier League, but there were games where they're playing like with you know 25,000 people for, for a stadium that's, that's much bigger than that. So it's, it just felt constantly to be a transitional time and constantly... He needed the leader, Pochettino, to bring his uh, positive qualities and positive outlook so people didn't get depressed on the situation. Uh, they they managed to do maximise the potential, as you said. They didn't start well in the Champions League, but um, they never gave up. Never gave up and never felt that they were out until mathematically you're out. Pochettino doesn't allow you to think that way. So there were key moments where I think they were trailing against PSV and needed a couple of goals from uh, Harry Kane in the last 10 minutes of the game. Uh, you start feeling that things have changed. And then, of course, it's a goal against Barcelona, minute 85, 86 of Lucas Moura, uh, that qualifies them. So they needed, uh, they needed those turns of faith and luck, which they've carried through with them. Throughout the season, it's been like, well, we, we did do it, didn't we? And it was almost impossible. And we did do it against City. And then, so... They carry that with them, that faith, and uh, you have to say perhaps it's not as good a squad, well, certainly not as good a squad as, as Liverpool, but they've done very well with what they've had. Great stuff. OK, talking about the, the two semi-final uh, games, Guillaume, both teams come from behind to to win the, the respective games. Obviously, Liverpool with a, with a 3-0 deficit, and at one point Tottenham was, was 3-0 down in their game. But in terms of going in into the cup final, which which team is gonna receive the most confidence from their semi final performances? Both, both of them will, uh, you know, they they obviously happy to win the final, and and now with three weeks to prepare, you're talking about two teams that uh, are gonna be recovered 
mentally mm. and, and physically as well. So that's good news for both of them. But the semi-finals were were extraordinary for many reasons. Uh, the, the the Liverpool one was two excellent performances. I spoke to Klopp this week and he said that the first leg, he felt that the team played better than the second leg. But sometimes mm-hmm. the uh, the result blinds you. A lot of people thought, you know, 3-0 in the first leg. Uh, it's, 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 it's a sign of a team that did, didn't well enough. And in a way, of course, they considered three. But, but you, you're talking about a performance that, uh, that showed a lot of things that we're talking about, especially in the second leg. Uh, and there was a moment I've discussed with both uh, Andy Robertson and, and, and Jurgen Klopp. The moment where uh, Liverpool go three 0 up at Anfield, and that three 0 had to do with the, with the first goal that was scored by Anfield. As I put it to Klopp, and he kind of agreed. <laughs> the it was the the passion, the anger, the noise, all that was put together, and, and it was scored by by Anfield. Then the rest of the other two goals came together uh, in a period of two, three minutes in the second half. There was still half an hour to go. And mm. I think the Liverpool of last season will have continued attacking. The Liverpool of this season, they actually took a breather, stopped and showed that maturity that we're talking about. It's like, OK, um, obviously by nature you think, wow, we closed now. We didn't think we were going to be there. But also it had to do with, right... Let's take a breather. Let's let's see what we can do from here. And then they just, you know, Liverpool went on uh, with putting a gear up in the last few minutes, which Barcelona couldn't deal with. So it was all played at the pace and the intensity that, that Liverpool wanted. So you take that with you. We are a mature team. Probably that's what the players are thinking and the and the, the coaches thinking. The coach doesn't need to do a lot during the game because you see that there is in the team a mixture of. Uh, tactical intelligence, uh, match, uh, match control, cheekiness, as obviously we saw in, in the fourth goal, intelligence, a lot of things that, uh, that you know, it's a consequence of the, put, the work that's been put in and the choice of players. So when the, 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 the emotion of Anfield was doing its part, I don't think club didn't need to do much. That's where you take the final, a team that has been in two consecutive finals in the Champions League, and you know that all you have to do is one adjustment here or there, but mostly they find. And I've been with them in Marbella this week, and, and I could I could tell they find they they relax, they smiling, they they you know distracted by by things. Uh, they were all curious about what was happening with Pep, Guardiola, Juventus, uh, but they they just fine. They 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 feel that they belong to this place, to to, to this stage, and in the case of Spurs. Well, you take the, uh, the little miracles that have happened along the way and think that anything is possible. Anything is possible. Yeah, a halftime of the second leg against Ajax, the message from Pochettino was basically uh, one goal gets us back. Uh, we score one goal and we back. And by then, Spurs were 3-0 down. 1-0 in the first leg and 2-0 in the uh, first half of the second leg. And the goal came. And there was a belief again. So that is something that's best stayed with them. That the, the belief that it doesn't matter who's on the pitch, because Ken has been missing since the City fixture. It doesn't matter who is the rival, uh, and it doesn't matter what minute of the game it is, because everything is possible. So on one hand, you've got the faith. On the on the other hand, in the case of Liverpool, the maturity. 
and that makes up for a really good final. Yeah, and you, you just touched on the um, game that you spent a little bit of time out with the Liverpool squad in in Marbella. I know you you, you spoke briefly on it uh, in the last um, portion of the podcast, but just give us a. a f- your thoughts on, on the feeling around the camp and, and the confidence going into this final? Does, does it feel, does the squad feel like they're, they're ready to take this next next step and, and go one further than they did last year? I, I've been lucky enough to um, to be with both teams uh, this week just to prepare for, right, for okay. or Five Life. And, and I can say they, they're both the same. I mean, I think there's... Um, the, the ones that get tired, at least a week before the final, is the coaching staff because they have to deal... With the little things, they have to deal with the media. They have to open the doors at certain times to certain people, uh, and they, and they have to bring what is natural to them that that, that the smiling faces, the the good energy, uh, and all that is tiring. So I don't think uh, they're sleeping a lot, uh, but the players seem seem okay. The the the, the training sessions at Spurs have been fantastic. And the uh, and what you get from being in Marbella is a little bit the acclimatization, the, the, the getting used to the weather is very very hot in Spain at the moment, and uh, and just a little bit of relaxation as well mixed with the uh, the intense training that takes place in the, the uh, in the sporting centre Marbella that uh, Klopp loves so much. He, he, he was even there when he was at Haines, so uh, he he recognised the surroundings and uh, he just wanted everybody to um, to be together and to to get key key messages. I, don't, I haven't asked for what happens next, but uh, I guess they'll have one or two days off and then just go back to uh, to prepare the last few days before flying to Spain, either on Thursday or or Friday. I believe they've got two slots to do that. So it's all it's all the usual stuff. I, I've been to many finals. I've been to many previews of finals. Um, just it, there's a sense of from Spurs that wow we're here, and from Liverpool that they belong to this stage. So, so that would be the, 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 a little bit the, the feeling uh, through you know spending time with them. Excellent, thanks, Guillaume. And just on the point that you made about Liverpool spending, I think it's six days in total out in Spain, and and Spurs have chose to stay um, in London and are choosing to fly out. I think they go out on the Wednesday next week. So, in terms of the teams trying to acclimatise to the to the weather in Spain. With a view to the to the game on the Saturday, which, which team do you think has got it right in terms of their preparation? I mean, they, 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 these are teams with coaches with a lot of experience, with with scientists that uh, that will determine what's needed, whatever they are. I think Pochettino's big, very big on on being normal before a final, and as a player, has been in few on being home and spending time with your people. Instead of taking them away and making the final to be played far too long for far too long, you know, for ten days before, uh, if you get them away, people start thinking too much on it. But at the same time, club feels that uh, it's something. This this break is just at a time where everybody wants a bit of you, wants tickets from you, wants uh, you know demands time to talk about the final, and everybody will yeah. be also focusing on it. You're basically getting them, getting the players away and protected from it. There'll be a time to be with their with their families, and and I don't think there's perfect solution to either. But uh, but they both approaches have proven in the past to be right. So it's it's what 
the coaches feel is, is right for the teams. Okay, we're just going to um, drift slightly away from the from the Champions League and ask you a few little questions about some some transfer knowledge and and uh, one or two other little bits and pieces before we get a a, a cup final um, prediction from you. Um, so, first of all, the lads at the day trip is uh, are interested to know. Do you see Mauricio Pochettino's future being at Tottenham next year, or do you see him possibly moving out to somewhere like Spain or or Juventus? Seeing how his stock is so high at the present time, what what does the future hold for them um, for Pochettino? Please, Guillaume. You have to understand what he's trying to say when he says, you know, he will he will study his future after the final, whatever happens there. All his all he's demanding is everybody to be on the toes and everybody to react quickly to the market situations and everybody to realise that, OK, the final closes a chapter. It's the end of the first team of Pochettino as Spurs. Do we want to do, all of us, media, fans, the president, uh, you know, the players themselves have got less to say, of course, but do everybody want to start a second team of Pochettino at Spurs? That's what it is about. So if the answer is yes, and he will be backed in the market, and there will be decisions that uh, will be big decisions being taken, uh, then then that's fine. The, 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 the journey will continue. I think that's what's going to happen. At some point, we know uh, he will look for somewhere else, but he is in the perfect... He's, a, he's in a club with a, with a brilliant stadium, with the, one of the best facilities in the world, with where he's completely the, the, the top authority there. Uh, and with a side that he can mold to his to his um, to his image, but uh, that will require. I mean, if, if it's framed like that, uh, you know, Pochettino team number two, that will require a time of uh, of, of of transition. Uh, and we will see if, with the big changes that will that he will like to take place, they have enough to be in the Champions League next season. But obviously, that will be the target in the short term. So it is about okay, we've enjoyed this ride. Let's start another one. And he's putting everybody alert, on alert, because that, that's what he wants it to happen next. And as I say, I think the club will back him, which means that uh, in my eyes, he'll stay at Spurs next season. OK, great stuff, uh, Guillaume. And now just one or two little um, pieces of uh, transfer window uh, rumours, if you like. The the Ajax defender, De Ligt, he's been linked with uh, Manchester United, he's been linked with Barcelona, Liverpool, amongst other teams. Um, it doesn't seem to be much happening with him at the moment. It's a little bit of a standstill in his, his situation, possibly with the, the situation with his agent, Raiola, who, who can't do business at the moment. So what do you see? where do you see the, the future of De Ligt? And can you tell us anything new on the situation with him? First thing is... Uh, Mino Rayala cannot deal himself under his name with him, but people that work with him in his company can do it. So that's that's not an issue at all. And I think conversations have been had with Manchester United, for instance, about uh, about the future of of, of Pogba uh, and Rayola or Rayola's people. And of course, Rayola also has the Licht. So I imagine uh, it may have been a question or two on what happens. But I think Manchester United haven't cannot be in the equation because the Ligt wants to play in the Champions League next season. So that's the first thing to say. Secondly, uh, I heard that uh, I believe there is three clubs interested. Liverpool uh, looked at it uh, 18 months ago and he didn't want to go there because Ajax uh, this, uh, convinced him and few of the top guys there, to, uh, like De Jong, for instance, Onama, the goalkeeper, 
uh, that they convinced them to stay an extra year. So that possibility went away. And uh, and now it's a matter of uh, Juventus and Bayern Munich who pay more than than Barcelona, which is the other the third team. But there is a reason why everything is slowed down. Uh, every now, Raiola and the Lich knows what the finances are of all the clubs, what they propose. But uh, all of a sudden, there's a bomb in the last couple of days. Sergio Ramos is kind of threatening to leave Real Madrid. If that's the case, then maybe Real Madrid gets involved. I think. Yeah, um, uh, if he wants another contract, means he will stay and nothing will matter. But where's the rush for the Ligt? I think he can. He want to see what's what's around before before he takes decision. But as I understand it, those are the three teams right now at this particular point that uh, are the forefront uh, in his mind, which is uh, Bayern, Juventus, or Barcelona. Brilliant. Cheers, Game. Some uh, interesting uh, knowledge on, on the transfer situation there. Okay, so so um, just moving on to a little bit of. Um, controversy, if you like, for, between Tottenham and Real Madrid in the past week, Guillaume, where, where the Real Madrid put a statement out to say there was um, there was no problem with, with Tottenham training or or things like that at their ground when, when Pochettino had said something in regards to not being allowed into the into the training ground or just just updates on the situation because I'm not fully aware of what's going on there. Please, you just had controversy and uh, and it kind of <laughs> it kind of made you interested. Uh, well, basically the chronology of it is that Real Madrid uh, just before the Ajax game asked uh, sorry uh, Spurs asked Real Madrid if the, if he could they could stay not only to train at Valdebebas, which is Real Madrid's training ground, but also stay there. And they were told that uh, the rooms there are personalised for Real Madrid players, so, so no, basically. Then Pochettino did a, uh, an interview on radio, uh, and he kind of joked about, yeah, Florentino Perez doesn't want me to stay there. And the presenter said, oh, maybe that's because you said no to him. Ha, 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 that was a bit of a joke. It was nothing else. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the suggestion was that Real Madrid didn't let Spurs stay uh, in, in, the, in the hotel facilities that they've got at the training ground. The next day, it was such a big story that uh, Ramadi came up with a note saying that's not true. We never, at some point, at any point, uh, stopped spares staying in the place. We follow the rules and nobody's asked us. So you should leave it at that, really, because it's a bit of a stupid story. But, um, but spares did ask and spares were told they could not stay. So that's it. Uh, I think Ramadi wanted to publicly make it sound like uh, they had been more helpful than apparently they had been. Yeah, it seems, uh, seems that was, it was a little bit of a story that was blown completely out of proportion, doesn't it? And the, the media over here have picked up on it and seem to have elaborated on something that, that wasn't really there, wasn't it? So, yeah, we'll leave that one for now. OK, then, Guillaume, just before we um, introduce the band that we play on, the, on our podcast each week, I'd just like to get your thoughts on the how you see the Champions League final playing out and... What's your prediction on who's going to be lifting the the Champions League trophy on the first of June in Madrid, please? It's going to be a, it's going to be a final full of details. The two games that the Premier League were, if I'm not mistaken, two one. I think both won by Liverpool, and there were times major in the majority of the two games Liverpool were seemed superior, but there were times where but Spurs uh, turned that domination around. So. This is uh, two very physical teams that apply high tempo, that are very clever in the way they pressure. 
So, in a way, they've got a lot of things in common. There's more quality at Liverpool, no doubt, and they are favourites. There's, there's no question about that. But as I said, there's really belief anything is possible. So, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm all full of predictions. I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan myself, but I love Pochettino and Spurs. So, it's one of those finals in which I, 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 I'm definitely going to win. Either way. For our music for the Champions League preview podcast special edition with Guillaume Balagay, we're going to play a song that's been recently recorded by Liverpool band The Ragamuffins and Mark Kenny. And it's a song about our, our star striker, Bobby Firmino. So the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Si Senor. Right, okay then. So that song was called Si Senor by the Ragamuffins and Mark Kenny. Thanks very much to Guillaume Balagay for joining us on this special edition of the Cop Table podcast. Uh, hope you enjoyed it, Guillaume. I have enjoyed it. I'm very much looking forward to uh, to the game. So I'll be 
I probably meet some of some of the you listeners in uh, in Madrid. I'll be there from Tuesday, and if that's the case, let's have a beer together. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, anyone out there um, going out to Madrid listening to the podcast, go over and uh, give your regards to GM for us. So that's the Cup Table podcast for the Champions League final all done. Just like to say a big thank you once again to the At Liverpool online Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages that put all our podcasts out on on their platforms and also... Everybody to keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign in Merseyside with um, Lee Butler and Paul Bentley doing great things over there, selling the T-shirts, getting the messages out over there. And they've been supporting us all season and we've been following them and supporting them with their campaign. So keep up to date with the No More Knives campaign as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, we'll speak to you all very soon. Everybody enjoy the Champions League Cup final. And fingers crossed we'll be lifting number six on the 1st of June and we'll be all back with you in the preseason. Goodbye. Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting truegreen.com summer or call 877-629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True Green green today time to fire up the grill time to go to total wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers Ooh, i love their beer cooler <laughs> you love their prices even more wondrous selection helpful guides ridiculously low prices total wine and more sports social podcast network